reflections afterwards. It's the first one says, in honor and remembrance of my mother who died on June 25th, 2009, a year ago. And it's from Anella. And this one says, Sylvia Cohn, deceased, not her. And this is... Okay, I, thank you, Achim. <laughs> Deceased mother. <laughs> it's, I'm terrible with handwritings, deciphering them. <laughs> so, like, just to make that really clear, this is for a dedication for Sylvia Cohn, who is a deceased mother. This is for Frank Moore, who died in February 2010. And for Betty Tsuyako Fukushima, she died in September, on September 12, 2009, last year. And for Dora Gwendolyn Brown, she did, died September 8, 2009. Please bless my friend Helene, who had biopsy yesterday. Thank you. I think this is Susan, where it comes from. May Henry, Stephanie, and Jessica find peace and kindness from within. So keep those beings in mind wherever they may be right now and abide. You 
charana sampano sukatola kavito anatara poi sadamasarati sata teva manusanam bodobhagavati Andamayang Buddha Bikiting Karamase Buddha Varahanta Varadadi Gonabiyoto Soda Binyana Karuna Isamagatato Odesiyo Suchanatam Kamalang Vasoro Vandamahang Tamaranam Sirasachinetam Bodoya Sabapaninam Karanam Kemamotamam Patamano Satitanam Randamitam Serenaham Bodhasa Samida Siva Bodhome Samikesaro Bodhodoka Sagata Chavidata Charita Same Bodhasa-niya-de-mi-sa-ye-ran-che-vitam-che-dang-vandan-chi-han-chari-sa-mi-bodhase-vasu-bho-ke-dang-na-chi-me-sa-nang-man-yang-bodhome-sa-nang-
Dibimo Gabeto Dama Kolo Kapatana Tatadari Dari Vandamaham Tamaram Varadamametam Tamoya Sabapani Nang Sanam Kemamotamam Dotiano Satitanang Vandamitam Serenaham Dama Sahasamida Sivadamame Samikisaro Dama Dukasagata Chavidata Chahita Same Dama Sahaniya Demisariran Chevetan Chidam Vandanti Hancharisamidamase Sudamatang Natime Saranangan Damome Saranamaram Etena Sachabachenavadeyam Satu Sasane Tamang mevandamanayayang punyang pasutamida Sabe piantarayame mahesung tasate chasa Kayen avachaya vache tasawa Dumke puranam pakatam mayayang Dum o patika hanchua chalantang Kalanta sang lai tung la tam me. Andamayang sangano satinayang karoma se. Agavato savakasango. Ochapati Pana Bhagavato Sabakasango Yaya Pati Pana Bhagavato Sabakasango Samhiti Pati Pana Bhagavato Sabakasango Yati tam chatari poisayogani tapoisapogala e sabagavato savakasango ahoneo pahoneo dakineo anjali karaneo Anotarang ponyaketang lokasati Andamayang sanggo sangga bituting bigiting karomase So pati pati gona bioto 
So, mm-hmm. he's talking, mentioning this phrase, being in. And uh, being in, we are being in. <laughs> means that uh, we have this experience, fundamentally, of being in something. There's never an experience that doesn't have that to it. And so you're being in a room. You're being in a relationship with this other person. Yeah. You're being in a particular predicament in your life. You're being in a crisis. You're being in a pretty good space right now. You're being in a retreat. You're being in a room with somebody who's got weird habits. <laughs> You wish you could be in something, you know, better, the more long-lasting than this. You know, if it's good, you'd like it to be in that for a long time, maybe forever. Could it get better? Could your being in something, you know, just get inch up the scale a bit? Whatever I'm being in, I don't want to be in this anymore. This is just taking me to my edges. So whatever uh, being in, whatever you fill in the box, there's being in. Mm. And around what we feel we're in, there's this kind of movement, pull, push, struggle. Want to really get into it, or want to really get out of it. There's this struggle of being in, you know. And these activities that keep occurring around all that. Actions. Actions, karma. Action means karma. Karma means action. So our being in is really, we're being in karma. We're being in something that keeps creating me and creating an it. So, okay, I want to go to Berkeley. I jump in my car. Action. Drive. Berkeley arises. Wow. You mean I created Berkeley? No, not really. (laughs) But the situation of you being in Berkeley couldn't have occurred without some action. (laughs) Even if you're born in it, there's a time when you actually get to know what it's called. And you go, I know I'm being in Berkeley. Before I was just being in 
my house. I was just being in my mummy and daddy. I was just being, now I'm in Berkeley. Oh, in California. I'm in America. Wow. You know. <laughs> so these, these occur through particular actions of attention, of cog- cognizance. You know. We pick up something and hold on to it. And then we become that. I become a, a well, they're Berkeleyites, <laughs> an inhabitant of Berkeley or an American or a California or a human or something. Yeah. Do you remember a time before you realized you were a, you were a boy or a girl? You didn't, didn't know you were one of these things? Did it sort of gradually dawn on you that something different about <laughs> some of these other folks? <laughs> Can you go back that before you were being in, being, being in a gender? And what a big thing that was, you know, waking up to gradually the, the truth of that dawning on you. Think, well, you're in this for a, a long time. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, around that, we can really become somebody in that with all the joys and horrors of it, you know. Because <laughs> somebody else's being in looks a lot better than mine. <laughs> I always find somebody else's being in is a bit better, seems a better deal than my one. Yeah. Of course, if somebody's in a worse. But, you know, whatever the being in is, by and large, it's, it's, uh, it's being in karma, being in actions, being in, in a, something that's both active in that it tends to want to create and make something out of it, add to it, change it, fix it, wiggle with it, understand it, send it out to the world, put it on somebody else, you know. It's got this activity potential. And it also has the residue. That means because of these actions, there's a sense of some kind of state of being or structure that we experience ourselves as, like I'm a man or a woman or an American or a Dhamma or a Buddhist or a whatever it is, you know, that's what I am, sort of. You know, and though, and though we may very well recognize these are a bit crude, and as you meditate, you start to come beneath some of this very crude structuring, you do come to some more, perhaps more potently felt senses of what I am. The residues. We may not even really be able to know what they are. But the residues of now, many people kind of say, well, there's been some abuse. So in some way, that structures me perhaps a little bit more defensive. I don't know, you know. Or what has happened also becomes part of what I'm being in. The social conditioning. The, the always, you know, so that we're in that. We're in this not just our own, say our own karma, you might say our own actions, but also we, we start to inherit or the experience of other people's actions. We're in a, we're in a karmic potency field that, is, that continually interacts with other karmic potency fields. So we're in a big field of karma, of actions and interactions and reactions and, and these lay down residues. So what we hold ourselves as being, often, first of all, on, on a conceptual level, but then even on an emotional level, 
is really that which has been constructed. It sounds like engineering, doesn't it? But that which has grown or formed or developed. You know, you know, like it could be a pearl in an oyster. You know, you drop a piece of grit into an oyster, it starts a little bit of a pearl around it. And we think that pearl looks so good. I'll be the oyster thinking, God, get this thing out of my mouth. <laughs> That's the karma of being an oyster. <laughs> oysters don't like pearls at all. So, you know, our, our being, this, this, this particular self-form occurs. There's a grit, you might say, in, in this karmic field of potency. Something stimulates. You know, and generally it stimulates around you get praised and liked for doing this. So you tend to become more of that. And you get warned off or punished for being that. So you tend to become less of that. Then you feel guilty about being like that. So you tend to try to avoid being like that. And you you feel you like, you know, other people are getting praised for being like that. So you try to want to be like that. So all this sort of wannabes and stuff creates this particular self-structure with all its yearnings and and bruises and um, whatever that's that's karma we are being in that with all the stuff that happens in that so karma both colloquially speaking karma both refers to the residue of what has been generated that that we've been part of or that has attracted itself to us that's called vipaka, literally. That's vipaka karma. It's that, and we are we are in that. You know, causes and conditions have arisen, that have generated this sense of me being here, and some of it's not very nice, and some of it's pretty good. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here. And it's not one. It's not like one piece of grit. It's like fistfuls of the stuff, <laughs> and some of it's pretty nice. You know. Not just one piece of karma, you've got many, many strands of it. And they're all kind of oscillating around. Sometimes good stuff comes up, sometimes bad stuff comes up. And it's all this potent field of karmic potentials. And then all of these have the, have the kind of seedful, they have the regenerative qualities that any one of these residues can come alive and start generating more stuff in the same line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We can get uh, so, uh, and often in meditation or in dharma practice, we do find ourselves kind of reliving the whole scenarios of projecting onto other people. The same thing I projected onto <laughs> twenty other people, you know, who were my authority figures or my compassion figures, you know, my loving mothers or my tyrannical fathers or whatever it was. You know, kind of putting it out there. So these powerful residues have got the potency to keep generating more of this action. Now action isn't just isn't a physical thing, although the body does take part in it. Action is the mental thing. And it's that flash of intention, that flash of potency, that flash of something being energized. That's it. 
It's not what your body does per se, but it's what something in you ignites and gets your body to do, or sometimes doesn't get your body. You sit there and you're still creating karma because your mind is popping away, flowing all this stuff onto the virtual sphere, the psychological sphere, and we're cementing ourselves into those positions again. It's tiring, isn't it? Wow. Yeah. So you go, what did you do on this 10 day retreat? Well, we sat some, quite a lot. Did a little bit of walking, you know, up and down. Didn't say very much. Didn't answer my emails. Didn't take any phone calls. Didn't write the paper. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I need a break, you know, I want to go out and <laughs> boogie and dance or something just to, wow. <laughs> because what we were doing was actually going full tilt into our karma. And that's all this real activating, energizing stuff that's, that's pumping energy through our system, you know, on a psychological level. So this is psychologically, emotionally a workout. And sometimes this gets itself expressed in our bodies. You know, you feel really, you know, and energy goes flat or low, or you're sort of zinging, ringing, can't sleep at night. You know, you're so zipped up, you know, zipping away with it. Or you feel these chronic, strange physical symptoms you only experience on retreats when you meditate. So it does resonate into the, into the body, you know. This is the this is what we're in, this is being in this. A lot of our practice is then, you know, uh is twofold. First of all there is, if you like, kind of straightening out the karma. So at least we're doing good, refraining from doing bad, very simplistically speaking. You know, you're checking those impulses. So is this really skillful? Is this really for your welfare? Take you've got to take you've got to be accountable. Not to me, but to your to your to yourself. You know, and be careful because we when we do things generally at the moment that seems like a good thing to do. <laughs> Otherwise you wouldn't do it. <laughs> then you go, hey gee, choice afterwards <laughs> when it was the, the wrong thing to say the wrong person to say it to at the mo- moment you felt good you know I'm really going to straighten this guy out oh, it feels so good to get off my chest you know and then you say it and then the whole lot bu- comes back at you so you know the, the, in this situation we're saying let's just go into to karmic check Check the car, check the impulses. So if it's straightening out the karma, means sometimes just a moral, morally good, because there's a there's a moral impetus to that. Okay, you know, and then you know, even wider, we're entering the we sense. We're collective here. We're entering the we sense. So how we share the space has to be careful, you know. And there's all kinds of things that. People who were in retreats, 
you know, there's a kind of treat ethos that you that is is a particular kind of morality, you might say, that is quite specific to retreats because of the very delicate field we're entering, a field of sometimes extre- you, when, when really one's extremely potentized, you know, you just get a feather drop on you, you know it. <laughs> so it's, it's a kind of one of the ethos of the retreat is non-intrusion. Yeah. Non-intrusion. Uh, and this is kind of because we say because you just don't know and you've got to be aware both of you know really trusting the Dhamma the retreat the Dhamma and people's process to work itself out and also be aware of what one becomes when one acts this is the, what we're here for. We're all individually signed up to taking responsibility to be accountable for, you know, how I keep creating myself. How I keep furthering the me story. How I keep writing another page in the endless novel that has no end. Be very careful about that because there's also there's the good karma straightening out, but there's also what we're looking for is the the ending of it, the ending of karma, the place where that uh, that potency is not jumping up and down, oozing. You know, it's actually quietened because uh, you know. Being in can be quite benevolent, sublime, but it's always on the edge of vulnerability. It's always going to be kind of crashed in on, as you probably know. You know, sitting in samadhi state, really delicate, sensitive samadhi state. Surely. Knocking on the doors of the deathless Ajana. Sitting there, and somebody comes, Hey, you want a Coke? (laughs) 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 It was a nice idea, it was a friendly gesture, but just uh, (laughs) start thinking about Coca Cola and this, that, and the other, what I want, and first, and then suddenly the whole thing is activated. On simple things, so you know. So how how both how how uh, any state of being, any state of being in, has always got this um, this potential in it to to be lost and changed. You know, so even these sublime states of jhanas, the Buddha said, if you want to be in anything, be you know the, the best places to be in are these. But if you ask me, oh, I wouldn't even do that, you know. <laughs> uh, if you want to cling, if you want to take the foundation, if you want to hang on to being in something, then being one, of, being one of these formless realms, sublime states of samadhi, you know. This is, you say, good karma, and yet it's still, you're in karma, it will change, it will end, it's been constructed, conditioned, 
independently arisen, it will break up. But he does say also, but this is the deathless, the complete relinquishment of all formations, mm. that is all formative tendencies. The elimination of residues, that is where we feel ourselves as being, you know, our grounds. Mm. The mind's release from all dependencies. Mm. This, is, this is possible. So you might say this is the ending of the karma. The residues are no longer relevant, you know. And the potent, they keep uh, the arisings of things. You know, there's no, not this psychological arising. So, oh, that sounds nice. Maybe. Is it? And he says, yes, it is nice. <laughs> this is peaceful. This is sublime. This is the deathless. So, well, how do we get there? You know? Well. <laughs> and then the, normally the mind works in terms of time, doesn't it? How long does it take to get there? If I do this, will this lead up to me getting there? And I've been here a week already. When do I get there? You know, or maybe it's going to take lifetimes to get there. So we work on that time axis, and the time axis is very much that's the movement of karma. Moves in terms of time, cause effect, cause effect, cause effect. Moves on in time, and the Buddha said, if you follow this track. On down the line, <laughs> it goes on forever. You're waiting for it. If you're moving down that track, trying to get to the end of it, you'll be here forever. There isn't an end to that. It's like running around the world. You just keep going round, round, round. Where's the end of it? Where's the end of the world? And he said, uh, there is no end through moving on, but there is an end through penetrating the Four Noble Truths. So this is not really a, a penetration in time, but a penetration in terms of psychology. Sometimes I call it like you know a release in your inner space, a widening in your inner space. Uh, you know, most intimately we can sense it is that those struct, those forms, those dynamics, those programs that seem so familiar, seem so me seems so normal, seems so compulsively what I need to do, those are energies, those are programs, meeting those and coming out of the grip of them. Yeah. So I get into that sort of compulsive, got to do, got to do, oh, I can't stand this another moment, got to do this. Ah, well, stop pausing, softening, widening oh it goes because of the pressure the push the compulsion this is dukkha suffering and it comes through this attachment to these impulses of you know fear uh, excitement mm, worry doubt you know attachment to my self-programs these self-programs perceptions, feelings, habits getting, you know, going on those and the release is from the complete relinquishment 
of that 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 compulsion. Now it doesn't mean that we that we sort of there we are sort of like blanked out, you know. But it means that you know you can you can clean out some of these self programs, these self forming programs from their compulsiveness, from their from their ignorance, from their uh, painfulness, and you have a clean structure that's thinking, speaking, acting, doing things. But it's not really something that gets compulsive anymore. So the Buddha certainly acted quite a lot in his life. Moved around, was on the go, right until his last dying breath. He was doing things. Last moments of his life, he's saying, you know, is there anybody here who I can possibly give any help to? You know, he's lying on his deathbed. Please don't be bashful. I'm about to pass away. If you do feel bashful to ask a question, ask, get somebody else to ask it for you. I'm not going to be here much longer, you know. I mean, this is monstrous compassion, isn't it? I mean, this person was not holding back. So he certainly wasn't kind of blanking out. But there's no compulsion in that. There's just that continual offering, living in that mudra of just the offering, but not grabbing. So it's like the action is then offered, but there's no grabbing it back. There's no, hey, I'm the great guy, you know. There's the offering and letting it go. There's no retention. There's none of the the self-structuring around it. There's no need to prove something. There's no, you know. So what ends, what ends is the a need to be, you know, and all that. All the, you know, I'm a Buddha and never been treated very well in my life, after all. You know, I've done all this teaching and they couldn't give me a decent doctor. I mean, this is pretty cheap if you ask me. <laughs> I'm dying of colic, you know. I mean, there's none of that. There's none of the, the poor me. There's none of the self-importance. There's just the, the offering... You know, one of the lovely, um, and it wasn't all great, wonderful time for the Buddha. His cousin tried to kill him seven times. Uh, went through famines. Generated this sangha, always seemed to be going off, you know, conniving and doing weird things. And had to keep telling him, please don't do that. You know, looking at books of the monastic discipline there's all these monks losing the plot and the Buddha having to say Gee, have I not told you <laughs> does this lead to your welfare anybody's welfare is this the aim of the life you know there you are storing up candies or something you know come on <laughs> you know the kind of little petty things that you can get into and all these people go forth with a sense of the noble, the enlightened. And five years later, they're sort of grubbing around, you know, doing deals with people, manipulating for nice robes. Because, <laughs> because you know, the, the old karma's still there. The residues are still there. And we start out with this great aspiration, which is wonderful. We have the good karma. But there's all the grubby stuff that hasn't been resolved. You know? 
and the stories of the vineyard are all the stories of the grubby stuff. It's pretty sobering, actually. You look at it, jeez. But all these people went forth because there was the good karma, there's also the mingled, the, the dark, the confused. And the phrase I li- like to use in terms of just the process of, of practice is a you know, threefold process you can put on your fridge door. You know, one is first pro- pay attention. I mean, get the center. Get coming back to the paying attention being that, you know. And then widening and softening. So you start to, as you pay attention, as you establish a center, you're going to start getting buffeted. That's what it does. You've thrown down the gauntlet in a way. You said, I'm going to stand here. Okay, then along comes Mara. Says, right, we'll take a lot of that, see what that happens, you know. Here's some worry, you know. Here's a bad, few bad memories. Here's a little bit of petty grievances. Here's some jealousy. What about a nice sprinkling of self-judgment? <laughs> <laughs> you know, garnish it up. And you're going, oh, I can't stand this a moment longer. I'm crying crazy. You know, my mind is so filthy and polluted and corrupt, blemish on the world. <laughs> and Mara's going, oh, good job, another one. Because <laughs> all the old karma starts coming out, doesn't it? You know? So then, you know, as you do that, you feel that kind of push. And then instead of fighting with it, tangling with it, hardening up, creating a self-structure. There's always a hard constriction. You're soft and you don't know who you are. You, there's no excuse, there's no blame, it's just there it is. You soften, widen. Yeah. And every time one of those waves just passes through you, you become like a cloud. And it's just stuff just starts rolling through. Doesn't mean stuff doesn't happen, but the sense of being stuck and impacted can loosen, lessen. Mm. This is, in a way, you, you exhaust the karma in this way because instead of creating more reactivity, more poke, more, you know, around that, you gradually get more and more chilled about it or more and more cooled out about it, less reactive about it. And after a while, it just starts, doesn't jump up so much. It just gets tired. <laughs> you know, if you don't if you don't jump up for it, eventually it's sort of the whole process of, of karma starts to soften, loosen. It's like you know a spinning wheel. The wheel is spinning. It comes and you give it a kick. It spins some more. You give it another kick. It spins some more. If you don't kick it, it gradually room, 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 room. So that's so like there's an ending in that way. And you might say, okay, that takes five years. But, but you can't operate from that place of how long it takes. You can't operate in the time place. You operate purely on, it doesn't matter how long it takes. All you've got to do is stop kicking the wheel. <laughs> you can't look at it like that. You can't say why it's like this. You can't say whose fault it is. That doesn't stop you kicking the wheel. You keep kicking the wheel with more blame and worry and doubt and will I ever and how long. That's kicking the wheel some more. So you sort of just 
mind soften. So paying attention, widening, softening. And third thing, include it all. Get it in that right sequence, because if you include it all before you're paying attention, <laughs> this is this is wipe out. This is probably what's been happening already. <laughs> you know, so you've got to get the, the the tools or the capacity to be able to do that. So yeah, there is definitely, the, and this is the karma of meditation, the actions of building up the residu- the potential of laying down the residues that can create a vehicle, a container, a vessel for this process. So this is the karma that leads to the end of karma. You create a vehicle, a process that will, will uh, give you the, the potentials and the room to, to let go, to, to relinquish, to stop kicking the wheel. And the way it goes for people, by and large, is that as some of the, you know, those, those really hot and, and negative programs, compulsive stuff, because it's really the, the hot stuff is the stuff that comes up first, you know, comes out of the oven first. So this is difficult. So in fact, you know, we often, when you meditate, really say put a lot of effort into generating some good karma pronto, you know, like get grounded, get established, take up meditation practice, keep the precepts, stay within that, you know, build it up. And in terms of retreat situation, build up the vehicle, the vessel, the containers for that, you know. And concern yourself with dealing with your own stuff. You've got to put everything you've got into that. Don't mess with other people's stuff. Because it's, um, you know, then what happens, you start to get all kinds of karma leaking out around and recreating and so forth and so forth. So that the, the, the field becomes confused. Uh, it's a renunciation. A renunciation is always difficult. It means feeling that portion. It can be, a, you know, a not bad intention, but just feeling that, and knowing how we get created with that. And uh, known people, in, you know, in my my sphere, in my realm, including myself, you know, c- just going acting out our karma and believing it's it's something that's instead of seeing it as as something happening around me that I'm, I'm the, the helpless victim of. You know. So I tend to be one of those people who, say, oh, who always, I'll, I'll do that. I'm one of those kinds, you know. I shouldn't let you know this, should I? <laughs> you know, you get sort of room, six or seven people, so he says, oh, this, that, this, that, and there's a problem here. And I go, oh, well, I, I, I guess I'll do that then. 
And like other people go, oh, okay, fine. You know, and I think, nobody else wants to do it. I'll do it. But actually they always think, he's always barging in. He's got some big thing, he needs to do things, so. <laughs> and so I was just checking that, just saying, because I'm so compulsive on that one, even good intention, I don't need to work with this, just, is that true? Just, just hold back what I sense myself as being in. Because it, the, uh, you know, that in the karma is incredibly accurate and doesn't miss a beat. That is what, when we, when we act, we actually start to create the perceptions that support that. Suddenly I become, in that situation, not just me, I become the person who does everything. And other people start to, okay, that's, that's the scene, right. Does it all, you know? And, I think. and you know, I've, I've actually started to kick this one. But, uh, you know, one of the big things is just to be able to sort of sit and let things fall. <laughs> I used to have a thing about, uh, uh, you know, keeping my room tidy, which is a nice piece. And I find myself fussing around it every day, fussing around this room, flicking, tidying, brushing, sorting things out, putting things away. You know, I'd be going on. I'd sit in my room, and I'd say, this isn't quite right. I'd go and straighten the curtain. You know. <laughs> the plant maybe needs water. The plant's drowning. I've watered it so many times. Yeah. <laughs> plant's saying, I don't want any more meta, please. I can't survive. <laughs> I'd kind of flick around. So I spent, I think, it was two weeks or so, just like, just sit there and do nothing with it. Just sit there and get in your room and just sit there, looking at the dust. <laughs> looking at the stain on the, on, the, on the carpet. And it's screaming at me. And just looking, just kind of feeling those pulls and just, uh-huh. they're letting go. This is crude, but it, it does mean actually are uh, actually recognizing how the world that I'm in very much starts to mirror my karma, my ac- my activity potentials. I start to see a world that needs to be fixed. The room doesn't care actually. <laughs> As the, the we have a forest woodland in, in my monastery, a large woodland. And uh, in the, the, this woodland, the deal was we were given this woodland and it was all, it had been coppiced, which means all commercial trees grown in it. And so the, the person who gave the woods, he'd really like it if it could come back to be more natural habitat because being the, the trees that were planted were not native, so you didn't get the wildlife and that kind of thing. So short, cut it story short, a lot of the, the non-native trees get t- cut down and replanted with native trees. You know. So you've got these little trees growing and they've got tree guards around them. You know. and, I, and then we have huts to live in in the forest to meditate in. And I go and sit in this hut. How's the trees getting on? Go and look at that tree, you all right? 
Uh, tree looks like it needs propping up. You know. I, mean, so I thought, I can't stay in this forest. It's to drive me nuts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go back and live in the house. I can't handle this. <laughs> Just looking around, thinking, hey, that, that could be cleared. There could be a path through there. That tree looks like dangerous, could, be, could come down. If we just cleared that and put a, ni- put a nice grove in, I'd like some oaks there, some ash there. There's the brackens taking over. Oh, God, here come the brambles. Get out, get out, you know. <laughs> Whereas other monks could sit there and think, oh, peaceful forest, very nice. <laughs> so what we're being in, you know, we could be sitting on the same porch being in different worlds because what we're really being in is not is our own karma. You see what I mean? How that tints everything we see and that affects everything we see. So we have to be really tuned into that. Retreat time is a time to really question all those impulses, those good intentions, those got-to-dos. And I find when I meditate, a lot of got-to-dos come up. Things I should have done, got to do, good ideas. I used to have a little piece of paper right now. I've actually got too big. (laughs) Because all the got-to-dos. And I might, you know, not necessarily in a retreat, but in daily practice, things I've got to do. And... uh, you know, right, got to, got to, really got to do this, got to do this. Yeah. So, get out of the sitting, really got, suddenly it's all gone. I'd forgotten what it was. That was so important. Yeah. It was just being in the, in the sitting there, this pressure of the old karma starts to come up. And one of the programs he's got to do. You know, you're responsible, got to do. So with that kind of search engine on, right? Scan around, should phone so-and-so, should send an email, should sort this, should fix that, should check this. Because you put the got to do search engine on, what do you get? And you you stand up, come out of that, and you've actually, in that movement, you've come out of the got to do, and suddenly that search engine switched off, and Oh, there's nothing to do, really. Yeah. Somebody's saying, well, this is going on retreat, you know, and he'd sit there, sitting in the pressure building up. Can't stand this. They're looking at the clock. When's he going to ring that dang bell? You know, looking at the clock. Clock. Oh, I'm going to, I can't ring the bell. 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 <laughs> <laughs> My clock says this, you know, it's got to ring the bell. It's just torturing me, you know. It's, it's that kind of push of coming up. And then he's just sitting there and he said, this moment, he just saw my hand move towards the string. Just he's about to blow up. At just that point, everything stopped. Ah. <laughs> you know? The karmic thing, it just built up with a crescendo and it just sort of, bah. what was that, you know? 
Because sometimes it's like that, you know, it just kind of self implodes or explodes, goes out. But the sense of this, what, what they call a sangwara, or restraining, you know, primary, primary practice, restraining karma, checking it, doing skillful karma, and then tuning karma in, the karmic impulse to, if you want to do some good, look into your own habits. So just turn it this way. Look into not just what's morally good, but what are the ones that keep creating you in your story of who you are? You know, it's a crummy story, you know? And you, why, why do we keep doing that, you know? Why do we keep coming in and turning on this crummy soundtrack telling me who I am? Really, really eager to do it. Like, get me in there, I want to push that button. <laughs> why do I do that, you know? Because it's not even pleasant. Why do I do that? Now, the, really, the, the, the kind of one of the things to, to just bear in mind is you don't do it. It does you. It's this, this stuff springs up and it creates you. It's like the story's writing the author. You know? The karma creates the sense of self. The potential's there for worry, doubt, you know, I think many people, self-judgment. You sit down, come into that sense of presence and it pops up. And what karma does is it creates me being in. That's what it does. It creates, it doesn't create me, it creates me being in. Me being in difficult space, me being in a room, me being in a relationship, me being in a trauma, me being in joy, me being in whatever. That's what it does. It creates the me. It creates a, a sense of me and a, and, a, and a kind of world system to support it. It's doing that. That's why there's no end to the world from the me sense. Because the me sense must always bring the world with it its own world with it, like, a, like the shadow that follows you. And we all, of course, all of us operate and speak from the sense of me as a separate individual, you know, that's somehow independent from a context. And of course, you know, you can shuffle the, the props, the stage props around on this level, but you never get off the stage. And then when, when you meditate, you know, it's a different set of stage props, probably more luminous than, you know, the sensual reality, more charged, more potent than the sensual reality. Because this is really dealing with the psychological, the very essence of the really hot psychological stuff. Now this can sound a little bit cheerless, can't it? <laughs> But, remember, <laughs> there's also this tremendous calling for awakening. Uh, so there's also, you know, we have levels of karma and the socialized karma. Now, a lot of people talk about having a judgmental mind. 
you know, judging themselves, judging others. Really common thing. So judgmental, it's a very common statement, judging others, started judging everybody else. You know? Now when you think, I mean, why is that? Are you so nasty? Well, you say, well, how could it be otherwise? Because that's what our, or your, or perhaps all of us, most of us, I imagine, our social conditioning is. From the time when we really became conscious was to make judgments, make, decide to be, try to be better. There's a number one and a number two and number three. You want to be up in the first rank. So it's kind of critical. This isn't good enough. You've got to get better grades. This isn't good enough. You've got to look different. You've got to be faster, slicker, wiser, softer, more obedient, calmer, gentler, more compassionate. No anger allowed here. You've got to be, get rid of that one. You can't be this, you can't be that. So what does that do? Something's going to start making a lot of judgments, isn't it? <laughs> About right and wrong, good and bad, should and shouldn't. Till that that program is running so fast you can't no, it doesn't switch off so that's that's the that's the program so let's you know start putting everybody else in that in that same thing that's what it does it's, it moves around because that's that's a way of looking at the world that that has been conditioned into us It hurts. And that's that's the you know, that's the kind of daunting truth about the, the nature of karma, the residues of it, the programming of it. It will keep running even if it hurts you, even if it kills you. You know, you get into self-destruct programs. People take their own lives. You know, that's a human potential. It can get really vicious stuff. Hmm? dark karma and this can be you know depression substance abuse these are self-destruct programs and they're annihilation programs they uh, just want to get out of here that's karma you know, that's you know this means sometimes when it's like you just can't keep running fast the only way out is like that So, but then we, you know, see it as this, rather than you doing it, it is creating you in this way. It creates a you in a world. And the world that you create, or that gets created, and the you reinforce each other, you will see things in terms of the you that you you are becoming at this particular time. Now, is there, is there a way out of this? Well, you know, yes, there is. And uh, what I said, first of all, you start to really generate a lot of good karma, calming, steadying, and then, you know, beautiful thing, the loving kindness, compassion, joyfulness, appreciative joy, you know, gratitude, celebration, that kind of quality, and equanimity. And we need to talk about that a lot I imagine yeah. and these are, are very potent fields these are, these are being, being ins when we're in them 
they do neutralize a lot of this difficult stuff. Their heart fields, their heart karma, that, that have a quality of being able to neutralize the poisonous. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, with that, we experience, you know, it's not like even just supplanting one with the other, though that's not a bad idea. You know, like to just deliberately generate the intention of good will towards other beings. But when it gets really interesting is when you feel the crabbiness in yourself and you feel the pain of that and you go, wow, this being really suffers a lot. Oh, may they be well. Yeah. It's the, the loving of the painful. And love is such a multifaceted word, isn't it? But that willing to to be include it all, including all all the darkness, with that sense of compassion, because it's not you. This is what gets conditioned in through ignorance and fear and not knowing and actions and so forth. Some of it we've done, some of it's been done. Let's not, you know, we want to go into all that as to whose fault it is, because that's that's not going to get us out. That's more spinning. But just the the, the quality of this samsara, and in the sense of, wow, let's just no more suffering here, no more beating up here, no more, you know, just the quality of that, the width of that compassion to to. Uh, handled to be with that and then really all these difficult things in ourselves can be from a Dharma perspective can be occasions, can be signals to generate that turn it the other way instead of judging and making something firm out of it see it as a, a difficult poison you know that you feel compassion for someone who has to experience this. <laughs> you know? Not blaming, not making hard selves out of it. Just And isn't everybody has these. Don't we all have these dark areas in ourselves, in our apparent selves? So that's part of ending karma. When you go into, the, you know, sometimes you have these regrets things you think you've done or probably did do or, or didn't do, you should have done years ago and you got these coming up, looking very specifically. Then you come to those places and you know you can never really trust your memory because it's so selective and so distorting. Yeah. And that's part of karma too. <laughs> you know, We can look at ourselves in hindsight with a very critical eye and distort everything. Okay, that's what you're experiencing now, a sense of you really messed up. Then you go into the just, okay, well, there's maybe something to be learned here about being clearer, more mindful, more attentive, you know, good. Get it? Got the message? Right, we'll try and from now we'll start. Start from now. And then whatever has been done, felt, experienced to another, to myself, I practice with that with kindness and compassion. May I be whoever I was at that time. And sometimes you can almost see yourself or feel yourself 
of that situation. You were angry, you were upset, you were confused, you felt defensive, you were having fun, you didn't realize, you were reckless, you thought, who cares anyway? That person, you know, that little piece of structure in there, is somewhere still in there, or just be well. You know, you can you can leave, you can move on now. You know. Anyone who's been in that forgiveness, you know, compassion, and who you've been, forgiveness and compassion. So, and really, uh, so to me, it's a kind of softening and widening experience. If you look at it that way, not justifying, not attacking. Just sensing the awesome proportions of this karmic flux that we're being in. Mm. All of us had the 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 good karma that's worked towards a cheerful ending for the evening. Because something in us has decided against all reason to come here and sit with our stuff. Many of you have been on retreats before, you know what it's like. And we do have the, the strengths to bring around calm in ourselves, to respect other people, you know, to wish to develop that and increase that. You know, to uh, wish to develop compassion and kindness to wish to learn how to let go. Indeed, to let go of a few things and put a few things aside. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. You imagine a planet of people doing, operating in this, in this way. This is beautiful. Even if we never completed, at least we, that, that movement, that intentionality is beautiful. And as I said, karma is accurate, pinpoint accurate, and relentless. If you intend good, you're going to get good. I'm sorry. <laughs> no matter how judgmental you are, <laughs> and how negative you want to be about yourself, you still keep, you keep doing good. I'm afraid that eventually that piece of self, you're going to lose it. And you wonder, oh, I feel funny. I haven't judged myself today. <laughs> Because it can always be, uh, it is a movement out of the known. But in that, if we proceeded with that clear intention, both for the good and also to move beyond ourselves, that intentionality, then we rather enjoy that quality of the, the unknowing, the don't know, the not, you know, the sense of space, the sense of silence, the sense of emptying. Yeah, and this is wonderful you know, for, to have that that appetite. This is very good karma. This is the if you've got this one going, you're really coming to the end. Because yeah. you, you you know you've got the scent of it in your nostrils. Yeah. But the stuff to shift, you know, and the stuff that's in your face seems so difficult. But it's really, it's only a an inch thick maybe half an inch thick it's like the painting on the wall it's not the wall it's the painting that's all 
when it's clear, as some of it clears, we see through that, we experience something much more fundamental in terms of uh, you know, our karma or residue. We have this sense of an, a body, a sensitive body. We have a heart that's empathic. We have a head that can be clear. This is not deathlessness, but this is the clear ground from which can open to that. And it's like it's there all the time, really. It's like the river that all the rubbish flows along in, and the fish. And we don't see it because we get so rubbish. The fact that it moves and changes and shifts and comes and goes, the fact that we can feel it in our bodies, we can feel it in our hearts, means we have these sensitive bodies, empathic hearts, clear minds, as, as a kind of a, a backdrop of one with other stuff projects. As we clear some of the stuff, we begin to come into this rather lovely being in, being in, in spaciousness, being in compassion, being in clarity. And this is the best kind of being in. The one that as you contemplate this too has come into being, dependently arisen, is not self. And then there can be a kind of a, a release, an opening from there. And it's karma is something you can never figure. The Buddha said, you try and figure this out, your head's going to split. So you get in his stories in the suttas, you've got this Angulimala, serial killer, killed 999 people. You could say, had a bit of bad karma there. <laughs> How many people have you killed, you know? <laughs> I bet you can't beat that. And yet this person, through practice, become, you know, enters the deathless. So it's not a simple story. I haven't killed anybody, you know. <laughs> and yet, you know. So it's, it's not a simple story of, you know, good, bad. You can't really judge. Mm can't really judge it. But all you know is that you need to get the capacity to meet it as it is, to really you know, begin with this idea that I'm succeeding. This is not self. This is something that's arisen. It's generated cause, condition, through various causes and conditions. Get a little bit dispassionate about that. Yeah. Steady it, calm it, see through it checking the impulses, restraint, calming, insight, kindness, compassion. And uh, this, is, this is our practice. You know, it's, it's not really a technique. We can use techniques to 
build up the strength, but liberation is not a technique. It's a process. Process is meeting karma, softening, widening, and then including it all as it comes in, steadying, practicing with that. Anyone? Let's have a five-minute movement into time and come back for a practice together.